0: Some owners of heritage properties in regional centres are preparing to hand over the keys and abandon their buildings because they cannot afford the cost of earthquake strengthening. Under current legislation, buildings assessed as earthquake-prone are required to get seismic strengthening work done before a deadline set by individual councils. They vary around the country. Many buildings in regions considered high-risk have as little as seven years to complete the upgrades. Nine to Noon has spoken with a range of building owners across regional New Zealand. All of them have told us that bringing these buildings up to the current building code is financially impossible and they have little choice but to walk away. Damien Spittle is owner of an unscheduled heritage building on the main street of Danivirk. He's with us first. Good morning, Damien.
1: Hey, how are you?
0: Really good, thanks. Tell us about your building and how long it's been there.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, my building has been here since 1909. Um, it was one of the original jewellers and pharmacists um, back when it was first built. Um, and I've owned it uh, around 10 years, I think it is, that so I've owned it now.
0: There's a number of uh, similar grand buildings in Danny Burke. I think there's a big old bank, a BNZ bank there that looks very impressive, but do many of them carry the same issues? Their, their age uh, is bringing them into conflict with the current NBS.
2: Yes,
1: absolutely. It's, um, I mean, yeah, they're just beautiful buildings. I mean, my store still has all the original stained glass in the front, um, all the old patina. I've tried to keep it as original as possible um, because it's, it's beautiful and it's a bit of history and where we came from, you know.
0: So what is your deadline to get it strengthened? Uh, I have
1: seven, well, I will have uh, seven years um, to have it fixed. So 2030, it needs to be done by.
0: This is because it is below a certain percentage of the new building standard. These vary around the country. Is Danny Virk's one quite tough?
1: Uh, It certainly seems to be, yeah. Um, In fact, uh, if you're on the high street, you have seven years. If you're on one of the side streets, not all of them, just some of them, uh, you'll have 14 years to have them fixed.
0: What is the price range you think you're up for? Have you had engineers through
1: well, no, I haven't, because what I did is I rang the council and asked, who do I speak to or what do I do with any of this? Because I'm, I'm not a building guy. And um, they gave me a list of engineers, and I started ringing around, and I had a couple of, I guess, casual conversations with them on the phone. Um, and they all said to me that... I'd be looking for anywhere from five to twenty thousand dollars for your initial and then your detailed seismic seismic assessments. And they said that if my building is built in nineteen oh nine, it's going to fail no matter what. So I'm going to be spending the money on these reports just to tell me what <laughs> what I already know. Um, and so I said to them, "Well, if it's going to fail, what sort of money am I going to be looking at to have it strengthened?" And they asked me, the, you know, a few details about how big is it, and how many stories, and whatnot. And they said a building my size, uh, which is honestly a, it's a small shop, um, probably 150 200 thousand dollars, somewhere like that, to have it strengthened. Um, and what they suggested is i would be better to look at demolition instead. Um, and the thing with demolition is that they said, you know, again, building this size has rare excess maybe around sixty thousand dollars to have it pulled down. But the catch is, unless I have a party wall. I said, if you've got a party wall, then you have all sorts of problems, and I do. Party wall They're, is a
0: shared wall with a neighbour?
1: Yes, it is. Um, so that led me to my, the building next to me is rented out, but they were nice enough to tell me who the landlord was, and I tracked him down and had a word to him, and he he doesn't live in the region at all, um, and he said, on no uncertain terms, is he ever going to fix that building, he's not interested in spending a cent on it, he's, uh, he'll, <laughs> he said he'll give them the keys.
0: So and, he's um, in the situation where he has the same notice to strengthen strengthen yeah. or demolish, but he's, yeah. he's not going to move. Uh, no, no way. And, and he, he's and literally, his intention is he'll take the rent in the meantime and then hand over the keys.
1: Well, what he said he'd do is he'd actually just give the keys to the tenant even. And I said, well, look, if you read the letter, it's actually not going to work that way because you own it and the councils will end up demolishing it at your cost. You're still liable for it. And I said, you'll wind up getting taken to court over it. And he said, look, I'll, they'll never get me in court. I'll turn up to my lawyer. I'll say I'm so cool. He said, to be honest, if they've got too much pressure, I'll just go back overseas. I'm not, I'm not going to do anything with it.
0: So you're just in the most no, <laughs> nowhere's kind of twilight zone of anybody, really, aren't you? If you can't get cooperation with someone you need cooperation from...
1: Oh, absolutely. And and so what I did is I I rang the council back and said, look, what do I do with this? Um, My neighbour will not fix it. Um, I don't have the money to to do this anyway. And they said, well, if he won't fix it, that's actually a civil issue. You'll need to take him to court. (laughs) This is fruitless.
0: What would the cost be, Damien? And, And would you be of a mind to try and raise the funds for it? I mean, it's many times what you paid for the building, I understand. Would yeah, you be prepared to do that or would you look at demolition at the moment? This doesn't really do anything, but what would you do if you could?
1: Well, okay, so as far as demolition goes, if I, if I somehow had 60 grand, which I don't, but if I did, um, it would be more than that anyway because it's a party wall. If my building comes down, so does the neighbours. So I don't know what kind of liability there is there, but I don't know. How, how would I get on with the bank when I said, hey, I want to borrow 60 grand to pull my building down? I'd say, well, how are you going to pay this back? Oh, well, I can't because after I pull my shop down, I'm unemployed. I've got, I've got nothing left,
0: Damien. How common is your story in uh, in Danville? I don't know if you've got friends owning property in other provincial centres. There are so many towns in this situation, as are the big metros. But they're kind of in a different dynamic. They may have more land value, for example, in a, in a big metro. They've got their own pain.
2: But how, how
0: many in these smaller provincial towns are, are in the same situation as you? Uh, to be honest,
1: everyone I've spoken to has said the same thing, where they're not going to do anything about it, because they they can't, they don't have the money to, it. and the, even if they did do the, if they somehow spent, say, $200,000 in their building, is it going to be worth that when they go to resell it? And the other thing I've noticed, too, is a lot of the building owners around these parts are usually uh, elderly or a little bit older, and... Um, say if they're on a side street and i have got 14 years to fix it, well they're going to be well into the 80s or 90s by the time that deadline's up they're not interested
0: Okay look, what, what do you want what would you like to happen in, in, in your situation <laughs> Damien what, what well, needs to be considered by whom
1: Well to be honest with the government, if you want, if you want anyone to do anything, you've got to make it easy so just saying to building owners that you must find this money and you must have this money, it, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, there's no Mercedes dealerships in these small towns. There's, no one's got a lot of money around these parts. Um, you, you get the odd large business, but most of the businesses here are small. I mean, like myself, I'm a one-man band. They're, I don't have 40 staff and I don't have million-dollar yachts or anything, so the finances just aren't there. So I would say that um, a couple of things they could have done differently. One is maybe spend the next seven years with the government's own assessors going around and checking buildings out to try and so people didn't have to the, the cost of getting these assessments done. Or failing that, even jack it up with banks so that there's actually finance options available. Because mm-hmm. the other thing is too, is the, the, these are commercial buildings which means you need commercial loans and the lending criteria is far stricter than going to get a mortgage. And I'm not even sure how ready banks are to loan on buildings that are currently deemed as unsafe.
0: Damien, what percentage of Danny Virk's commercial area, anyway, it's Main Street, would there be buildings in this situation?
1: Oh, it would be fairly high, to be quite honest. (laughs) Yeah, I would say a majority. In fact, I spoke to one local engineer and he said off the cuff that if they were going to start, this is before this all happened, but he said if they were going to start doing it, he knew of 36 buildings that would need to be dropped on the first day. Like, he, it was brick and mortar is very common in these smaller towns.
0: Damien, thank you. I really appreciate you sharing what I know is a very stressful situation for you. He's the owner of an unscheduled heritage building on the main street of Dannyverk, so uh, there's not a, a, a heritage block to that being um, demolished where he'd be, be in a position to do so. It's not registered as a a heritage building. Let's discuss that with Scott Flutie, who's Heritage Advisor for Whanganui District Council. Kia ora, Scott.
2: Kia ora. How's it going?
0: Good. Another very pretty provincial city whose um, older buildings are absolutely a highlight of any visit there and for those who enjoy living there. But how many issues do you have with the need to earthquake strengthen?
2: Well, the, those issues would be on par with what was just discussed. You know, um, it's a wide-reaching issue for provincial New Zealand in particular. So, a lot of our issues are shared across the country. Um, but I mean, in Wanganui, we're lucky because there, we have some extra support through our council's own heritage grant fund. But not every council will have that on offer.
0: Can you explain more about how that works?
2: Well, um, in Whanganui, we do offer some support for commissioning detailed seismic assessments for those owners of heritage buildings, and they don't necessarily need to be scheduled, but their owners need to have a commitment towards basically future-proofing that building. So it's a good use of our limited resource.
0: What are some of the situations people are in, however... If they have a requirement to demolish in either 7 or 15 years, uh, demolish or strengthen?
2: Well, in Whanganui, we are very fortunate we're actually in medium seismic risk. And our council has made a decision that in the CBD, frontages of buildings on those priority routes, they need 12 and a half years to strengthen. The rest of the building behind is 25 years. So that's a little bit more flexibility.
0: It's still hanging over that property, though, and over that owner in some ways, isn't it? And it's certainly hanging over the value of the property. But, yes, there's a little bit more flexibility there. What percentage of the NBS uh, in your city do you need to be to avoid being labelled earthquake-prone?
2: Well, that stands at 34%. So, yes, the, your previous speaker was right in that lots of our lots of buildings of that era are just automatically going to be earthquake-prone. But what I would say is that the techniques for strengthening are getting better and better. They're getting more affordable. And there's often an economy of scale when affected building owners band together to commission those reports. If they've got shared party walls, the cost of strengthening can come down. But there needs to be a willingness on all sides to engage, of course.
0: What happens, by the way, if one owner with a party wall just says, I'm not doing anything? The council can
2: just have the keys? Um, I don't think the council would want the keys. I think they're going to be more likely to undertake strengthening work themselves if there's not too much required, and then put it as a covenant on the title of that property so that whenever it sells in the future, um, someone's going to have to pick up the cost of that. But I'm not saying that's what will always happen, and other times we may see demolition happen.
0: What do you mean we may see demolition happen if someone said, I'm not going to? Well,
2: uh, we're yet to see it happen in practice, so um, I don't know so what... So are you
0: saying happen. if someone walked away, said to the council, here's the keys, in some cases it would go ahead and demolish, would it charge the owner? I don't know. But legally that's a possibility? That. Yeah.
2: Um, potentially, but it, it, I'd say what it, where it comes down to is um, safety to the public. So again, that's the same kind of rationale that we made to require a faster strengthening of buildings that may fall down onto the public on the streets, where you know where emergency vehicles need to go through after an earthquake. So if a building was so dangerous that it needs to come down on that frontage in particular, then that's when the safety kind of overrules any other thinking or protocol like heritage.
0: We spoke to one owner in a, in a small town, I won't name it because it was there's only a certain number of buildings of this size, but mm. it was close to a million dollars to demolish his building. Mm. And mm. there's just, you know, no way the value of the building on a good day even covered that. Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. what do you say to people in this situation?
2: Um, hold tight. I, I'm really, really hoping that we'll see some support again through central government Um, until very well about two years ago we had a heritage fund it was called heritage equip Um, it was purely aimed towards seismic strengthening of historic buildings it was a very good scheme and it really did evolve as the needs emerged from the provinces of where those some of those struggles were for building owners And I I can say in Whanganui, we were starting to see some real success stories. But around the country, you could hear about those too through that fund. Mm. Um, And after, well, during the pandemic, it was quietly withdrawn. So I know there's a lot of um, advocacy going on to reinstate Heritage Equipment.
0: Scott, is that just for registered heritage buildings, which are different from those that have heritage value? Someone's investigated. Heritage New Zealand has said this has got heritage value. Is that only for those that are actually registered as heritage well, buildings with the council? Because that brings keep, its own limitations on what you can do.
2: Yeah, keep in mind there's two tiers of heritage scheduling. There's the national level. There's also at district council level. Um, and generally speaking that funding is targeted towards owners who will make some kind of commitment towards retaining those buildings. And with regard to the timelines, there's often exemptions or extensions available to those owners, but they do need to make some kind of commitment towards scheduling it in the future. Otherwise, it's a waste of public funding.
0: I mean, the, the extensions sometimes just add to the length of time someone's under this kind of enormous... Stress.
2: I I would recommend if someone wanted to retain their building that they do work towards scheduling it or listing it and then seeing what kind – there's a lot of support that's available from both Heritage New Zealand and local councils in many cases –
0: what of the short-term stuff that can at least make a difference? For example, you mentioned facades, removing or strengthening mm, parapets, mm. these kinds of things. Um, yeah. are, um, are people moving on some of those things at, at least, and what difference does it make if they do?
2: Yeah, we're starting to see it happen in Wamanui, which is just fantastic. Um, we've got some beautiful, ornate decorations, but they're dangerous, like you know, decorative urns and stuff. Uh, but they're also not that difficult to pin back and secure, and that goes a long way for public safety. So we're starting to see that happen. There's often very simple physical um, pinning back that can happen, and that does wonders.
0: Scott, thank you. Scott Flutie is the Heritage Advisor for Whanganui District Council. Interesting, a text just coming in, re-earthquake strengthening. We've been deliberately out in the province's... Uh, in our story today. But someone saying uh, a a Wellington contact has just received a cost estimate of $560,000 just for that person's contribution towards strengthening the building. And the Body Corp was recommending to owners they vacate the building and simply walk. It certainly is a major issue in the metropolitan centres, particularly in Wellington, the capital, Uh, But the province is also many of these uh, older towns' owners grappling with what on earth to do.